0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here's your swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park.
2: This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep
1: to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up, get up, get up. Oh, yeah. This one is going to go.
2: Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening
0: Day presented by Amron alongside Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Clips, we finally have baseball to talk about as the Cardinals kicked off the Grapefruit League schedule last weekend. They are off and running, and we've got a huge show tonight. We'll visit with, well, a number of Cardinals as we head into the clubhouse to chat with Adam Wainwright, Jack Flaherty, Dexter Fowler, and Matt Carpenter. We'll chat with hitting coach Jeff Albert. Kyle McClellan will join us, all of that and more over the next two hours as we talk baseball. And it's been great to see baseball, to watch baseball. And, buddy, we're a month away from opening day in Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun at this point to actually see games and actually see people playing that don't have the same uniform on. And what we've had a chance to see in the early portion um, of this situation, Chris, is one, that some promise, some people we were looking forward to seeing in KK Kim, uh, Dylan Carlson, uh, Lane Thomas are some guys we wanted to watch. And then we got a sneak peek at, at Nolan Gorman, the Cardinals' first-round pick of last year, And uh, he's accounted for himself well in the early portion of the spring. Now, it's early. A lot of things happen. Uh, Pitchers adjust. Hitters adjust. But you have to feel good about the start that these guys have gotten off to.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot to be excited about. And for a camp where there is real competition, Miles Michaelis, uh, his injury opens up competition for a spot in the rotation. There's certainly competition as it comes to the bullpen. There's competition in the outfield. And for the first time in maybe a number of years – an everyday spot is open in the Cardinals' lineup. Oh, by the way, there's Tommy Edmond who's competing to play every day somewhere. So there's a lot of competition, a lot of moving parts right now, and some exciting young players that are already making quite the impression. They are, and
1: uh, it just—it I think it's really a tip of the cap to the Cardinals to let these kids know if you come to camp ready to go and you're in shape and you're ready to take instruction, there's going to be an opportunity for you to make somebody watch you. And so far, we've seen that take place. And we're seeing some young guys, and I'll give you another guy that's thrown into the mix, is Armando Sosa, who uh, we've watched the last couple of years here in spring training. He's ready to make that next step. And when it comes to competing for one of the utility positions, he's going to be in the mix along with Brad Miller and Jairo Munoz. And that's, that's something that I think gives the Cardinals an advantage, where if you're in the organization, they're going to look at you first instead of running out and trying to bring on a spare part or do something that a lot of teams try and do as a quick fix. They want to make sure that this guy is developed internally compared to going outside.
0: Yeah, there are a number of guys, too, who are coming back from injury clubs, trying to make an impression, and we saw a couple of firsts yesterday in Austin Gomber and Alex Reyes. There are a lot of players at a lot of different stages of their career, and it's up to the coaching staff to navigate that, not just the players, but the personalities navigate the competition. I imagine, as a young player, Klebs, if you're trying to make an impression and make this ball club, whether you were healthy last year, you're coming back from injury, it would be easy to try to do too much in the first three, yeah. four, five games. Good point. You need to realize that this is, for a lot of these guys, hopefully, a season that starts now and goes through October into November and ends with the parade in St. Louis in November.
1: Well, that's the key. You want to be the last guy out there, and I think the way these guys have taken the approach of being physically prepared. Uh, They're ready for that challenge. And, you know, Chris, you had enough guys on the ball club last year who had a taste of what postseason is all about. Remember, four games away from being in the World Series. So now you know what it takes. Now you know what's going to be required of you. And now it's up to you to go out and get something done about it. And you're going to get a look here. That's that's the other thing. Unless you're playing first base – second base or shortstop, everything else is really open for business. Or catching. Catching, yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> uh, we'll throw that out but there, too.
0: maybe a spot on the roster.
1: But you know what? You're right. That's a good point. With the 26-man, could that be an Andrew Kisner? You know, could that be Ron Hale-Rovello? I mean, there are some guys that are, are – there's a lot of good competition, healthy competition, and I think the key is we're not trying to talk about kids. We're talking about guys who have had major league at-bats. Now – it leads us back to Carlson and Nolan Gorman. Carlson probably is on a faster track than Gorman, although Gorman has accounted for himself early, well well, early in camp. But Carlson has checked a lot of boxes to me in my brief time watching him play. Dylan Carlson, complete this sentence,
0: is the most polished all-around prospect from a position
1: standpoint that you've seen since? I don't want to make a comparison to the guy who used to play first base here because that was kind of different. But you know, he just. But but he didn't even come in with the pedigree. Yeah, but of Yeah, yeah, he didn't. I'm not sure who that guy would be because we haven't had that many guys of this nature come through the organization and develop like that. We've had some guys we thought could do it, uh, maybe it didn't work for one reason or another. Uh, maybe Carson Kelly was a guy because he was highly thought of when the Cardinals first drafted him and made the position change. But that might even be a stretch. So I think this is, this is kind of no man's land for a lot of us. Colby Rasmus maybe? Yeah, an that's a good one. That's standpoint? a good one. Yeah, Colby Rasmus would be the last one. It's pretty incredible. And, then and before him, J.D. Drew.
0: Yeah, and to see the way these guys go about it, you know, whether it's Jack Flaherty, Dylan Carlson, Nolan Gorman, Matthew Libitor, you know, the way they talk about the game, the way they get their work in. These guys now, when Mike Schultz made the comment, they're pros really from the time they're teenagers on. So it shouldn't be surprising. But, boy, is it impressive. Hey, speaking of Cardinals manager Mike Schilt, you can join the skipper on Thursday, May 7th at Norwood Hills Country Club for the RBI Golf Classic. This unique experience will pair foursomes with the Cardinals celebrity, including current players, coaches, and alumni. Register today at cardinals.com golf. All right, that's Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. Ben Boyd is our executive producer. Mike Anderson back in our studios. A big thanks to Ann Carroll from the Cardinals Radio Network as well. When we come back... Dexter Fowler joins us. You talk about veterans that are a part of this club. That's next as we're just getting started on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren from Jupiter on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio
2: Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX.
0: Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. On June 13th, head to Bush Stadium for Kenny Chesney, featuring Florida Georgia Line, Old Dominion, and Michael Franti. Tickets are available at cardinals.com slash Chesney. Let's head into the clubhouse right now and sit down with Cardinals outfielder Dexter Fowler.
3: How was the offseason? It was good. It was good. We had a, we had had a um, It was quick. It was quick. Um, it's a good thing. Yeah, hanging best. around the family. It was good to see the girls grow a little bit.
0: What, what What's the best thing, Dexter, about being able to have your family to keep things in perspective, whether you go... Five for five or zero for five. I mean, she actually might, you know, be watching and know your stat line. But to know you're going home to your family, regardless of what happens that day at the ballpark, what does that mean to you?
3: Uh, it helps you leave it at the ballpark. Yeah. You know, um, you get out the car and it doesn't matter. They're there. They're there with a smile on their face, and little Ivy's like that, that, and Naya will run and jump in your arms. So it's um, it's it, it's awesome, and it it helps you when you get home.
0: You guys did do a lot of winning last year, and uh, to be back in the postseason, uh, what was that taste of, of the postseason like again to know how close you guys came to get into the World Series? It
3: was great. I missed it. I missed it. Um, like, you, like I said before, it's, um, it's an addictive feeling. Um, and we're, 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 we're trying to get back, and we're excited.
0: How about the way that the last couple of weeks went, uh, and to be able to go up to Wrigley and sweep that four-game series? To be a part of, of that rivalry on both sides, but also have meaningful games between the Cardinals and Cubs at the end of the year. What what was that weekend like? Those four games.
3: I think it was a playoff in itself. Um, you know, that was a playoff atmosphere, which kind of got the guys ready for the playoffs, especially some of the guys that haven't been there before. And um, you know, it was a, a well-fought series, and like we're, we're we're happy we
0: came out on top. You still getting the good-natured cheers from Cub fans, or now that the Cardinals are. We're back in the postseason last year. Are they starting to get a little, little yeah. salty?
3: Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. They, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, a lot of them, you know, always wish me the best. And, you know, they, they're, they're always there for me, and which I'm, 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 always, I'm always grateful for. they do like, I hope you do well, but the Cardinals lose.
0: <laughs> that rivalry is the best when, when both teams are in the mix. For you sure. Know, in 2015, there was nothing like that. For sure, in that ballpark, that every pitch, that ballpark was shaking.
3: Yeah, yeah, and it's, um, you know, it had, hadn't changed. I mean, if we go in there; it's, it's, it's always a battle, especially even when they come home. You know, those are those are the the biggest some of the biggest games of the year.
0: <laughs> I'm curious, just in terms of, you know, different guys you've played for, different guys you've played with. Baseball is obviously such a business, but um, to see someone like Joe, and, and it was interesting that Joe's run ended at Bush last year, and Joe and Theo talked to the media there, to see someone like Joe, what he's done in the game, um, what he did with the Cubs, to see that era kind of end in Chicago, how do you compartmentalize baseball as a business versus personal relationships you have with guys and, and what certain guys within the game mean to you?
3: Um, I think you realize that um Everybody's a you know those are those are people and they're your friends they're your friends so that that helps that helps I mean Joe's a great man, and um it's like you see guys getting traded you see guys You know yeah. whatever getting released and it is a business decision, and you know We, we you realize that but you know, at the end of the day these guys are you know some of your Great some of your great friends, and and you know you always feel for them, but I mean, baseball is—it's—it's—it's it's, it's always going to
0: be a business. You've played for a couple of guys now, Joe and Mike, who probably love the game of baseball like yeah. as much as as anyone. What, yeah. What's it like to have played for managers like that? And what do you get from the passion that a guy like Mike Schilt or a guy like Joe Madden has for the game?
3: Oh, I mean, it's—it's it's great. It's like you tell everybody, it's like, you know, if you get a chance to play for Joe, if you get a chance to play for Shilt, do it. You'll you, you, you'll love every second of it, and um, you know I've been fortunate to play for for both of them, and you know they've they've, they've been nothing but 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 top level for me.
0: The members of this staff, um, guys that have have done it, and guys that have been part of this organization for so long. Willie McGee, for instance, to see um, the passion that Willie has for the game, for the organization. What has he meant to you, and what has it been like to? Uh, be around a guy who's one of the great outfielders in in Cardinals history over the last years.
3: No, it's great. He, you know, it's great to have him down in, in the trenches with us all the time. Um, you know, these the the guy he's, you know, he's been through it all. You know, he's been a Cardinal for a long time, and you know, to see his work ethic and to see him here with us every day, it it, uh, it helps us out. It helps, and he has such a positive attitude, and he's such a well-liked guy that. Um, that where it's a, it's a, he's a joy to be
0: around. Just rubs off on everyone, hundred percent. Like if if he's all in, let's go. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for
3: sure. And he's been doing it. Like I said, he's been doing it forever. And you know, for him to be out here, I tease him all the time. I'm like, hey man, like you're an old guy, man. You still you still can be out here. And he's out here hitting balls and and, and running around with us. It's awesome. he's just got that walk too. You can
0: just tell that it's Willie, right?
3: Yeah, he's yeah. I call I call him Leroy.
0: Leroy, yeah. Lee, that's my nickname for him. It, it's not something you have in every organization, is it? Like these guys that are around, and they're not around just to, you know, because they're getting flown in and they're making an appearance and they're signing autographs. Like Willie's the other end of the spectrum. I, you know, everyone's yeah, he doesn't have there. to be here, yeah, for yeah. sure.
3: He wants to be here, which is which is even more and impressive. Into work, into you know. work, yeah, yeah, and he works hard. He's one of the hardest workers in there. So,
0: I know you've learned a lot from uh, Barry Bonds yeah. as well. To see a guy like that who. You know, it seems the guys who are the most, maybe naturally talented, were also the ones who worked harder than anyone. Oh, is for that sure. a quality you saw in Barry? And, and how, how can you describe kind of how your relationship with him has, has evolved and what you continue to get from him?
3: Um, Barry, uh, yeah, the, the dude, uh, I mean, worker, like you can, I don't know if you know if you can call it that. It's, it's um, he's an addict. He's, the, I mean, the dude, he works. He works at whatever he does, and he, you know, he has passion for whatever he does, and you know, um, I think he, he's, um, for me, he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, and it, I mean, he's the greatest to ever do it. And to um, listen to him talk, and this, and this, and to see him roll through things, it, he, he helped simplify the game for me. I think, uh, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have matured and stuff as quickly if or I would not be where I'm at if, if Barry wouldn't have, wouldn't help me out so he um, he's he's been a mentor for me for a long time and you know I'm grateful to have him as a part of my life
0: in terms of guys on, on your team right now the character of, of that clubhouse uh, how excited are you about the group that you guys have and again how close you came last year or what you think that will do for you this year
3: love it love love to love everybody in there um, Great group of guys. Uh, Everybody cares. Um, Everybody's willing to put in work. And, um, you know, accountability is a big thing. And and it seems like everybody's accountable bringing in the right guys.
0: When we come back, Jack Flaherty joins us. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Chris Raby with you back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network
2: a countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals KMOX
0: Welcome back into Cardinals. Countdown to opening day presented by Ameren. Hoops coming to St. Louis. Let's give away seven ticket vouchers for any single session of the 2020 Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament, March 5th through 8th. For more information on the MVC games, visit archmadness.com. And we'll give those vouchers away right now to caller 3 at 314-531-1120. Jack Flaherty joins us now, the Cardinals ace, and announced this week opening day starter will make his second start of the spring tomorrow against the Braves talked last season this season and everything in between what have you learned jack about being able to use your platform as a pro to give back to make a difference there are so many guys in that clubhouse that do so many incredible things so what have you learned about that
4: um, you know it's one of those things that being you you, you have you start to gain this platform of, of things that you're able to do and things you're able to you know to want to do in your in your career Maybe away from baseball, but you know, trying to use that to impact people in whatever way that you can. Uh, whether it's you know inspiring them without even knowing it, uh, or actually doing something in the community like Wayno does uh, with his big league impact. And you know, that's something that for myself, still kind of working towards on that end of, of figuring out what I can do, um, and really just figuring that part of it out.
0: I think a lot of people maybe don't realize what you guys juggle in terms of not just playing pro ball, being in the big leagues, but then also the demands on your time, the asks. You have to figure out what you can give your time and, and your passion to, right? What, what's that process
4: like? Yeah, some of it's a juggling act. You know, you try to figure out what you can do and what you can't do while also trying to make sure you get your work in, especially especially in the offseason. You know, you kind of start to get asked to do this and that, and maybe get dragged one way or the other, but always got to make sure that, one, you, you put in the time for your family because that's something that you know especially once you leave during the season that that time becomes less so that that time is so incredibly valuable to have and then but also making sure you get your work in while also then still you know trying to do these other things that you're asked so making sure that you find the right balance uh, and then continuing during the season it goes the same way uh, but again that family time becomes incredibly valuable once you're traveling all the time
0: you mentioned Wayne right now what does he mean to you as a teammate but but as a friend
4: uh, he's 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 unbelievable just uh you know he's just the fact that he's kind of help me out and, and kind of take me a little bit under his wing and just no matter what I know I can pick up the phone and call him and ask him you know, a question or for some advice, you know, it doesn't really matter what it is, I know, I know he'll be there and he'll help me out. Alright, what's one thing he doesn't do well? He does not run well. Uh, and he would dispute that. He thinks he does. But yes, he doesn't, he doesn't run well. Uh, but yeah, everything else, I, I really think everything else he does well, I mean the man can sing, play guitar, He can pitch. uh, He can hit. He can. He can field. He can. He can do pretty much. He can do it all. He can. He can be an unbelievable father as well.
0: Being teammates with with Wayno and Yadi, and being so close to both those guys, what do you notice about a relationship like they have, and how special that is in the game, especially today when guys are changing teams, and you know the average career can be so
4: fleeting. Yeah, you see how valuable that communication is. I mean, it's a. It's, it can be a completely non-verbal communication. They know what the other person's thinking. They've, they've played with each other for so long that they already know what the other guy's thinking. Or you know, when they get on the mound, you just see that they have that relationship, and it's special. You know, Yadi knows what he wants to throw. You know, has an idea of what, what he, where he's thinking, what they're thinking. And anytime they get into a situation like that, you can just see it. and You can see how special and how important a relationship like that is. Favorite memory from from last year on the field. Uh, after the the sweep against the Cubs, that one, uh, you know, that we, we won the first three, and then that that last game was hard fought and just to battle. I mean, battle back in, in the last two, uh, you know, Yadi and Paul going back to back against Kimbrel, that was that was special. But I think just the feeling, kind of leaving Chicago and. In, in, and just how that felt, so, you know, going in there knowing that was a huge series and knowing kind of what we were just able to do. Kind of nice to suck
0: the air out of that building and kind yeah, of start have, to put the door yeah, yeah,
4: just, you know, not having to hear that song played.
0: How about last year off the field? Favorite memory for you? It was such a great year for, for you, for the entire organization. What
4: stands out? Kind of off the field, kind of on the field at the same time. But uh, after the after Game Five of the NLDS, being able to go hug my mom—that's uh, the, the again yeah, first thing that comes to mind. But but having that kind of that moment just to to kind of soak it in with her.
0: Were you guys rooting for the Dodgers that night?
4: <laughs> I mean, we were just you know you get a chance to go home. Yeah. yeah, you know.
0: It was cool to be in, though. Everybody enjoying that moment together and just enjoying a couple hours knowing that you were going to the NLCS. Yeah,
4: just knowing that we were able to, we, what we did and the, the opportunity we were able to have going forward was, uh, was something we were looking forward to no matter where it was. But from a
0: personal standpoint, what are you happiest with about your year last year as you reflected? Did, or are you a guy who will reflect with your process in the offseason? Of, I know you're very detailed and you'll keep. Your journal and your notes, but yeah, um, how do you look back on 2019?
4: Yeah, you know, I won't evaluate during the season. That's something that I was taught was to, to wait until the end. Evaluate once the season's over. Evaluate what you did, where you are, what you what you were able to do, and wait till the season's over. So kind of looking back on that, not even it has, doesn't have to do with, you know, how well I pitched or anything like that, but just coming back from kind of how it started. You know, the whole first half was kind of up and down. Had a couple a couple games here and there. It always felt like I was one pitch away, but being able to make those adjustments and, and figure things out going forward through that second half, and then also you know, not trying to do too much or, or getting carried away with myself. So I know you don't evaluate
0: during the season, but that second half, you know, you've know, you got to be seen and hearing what people are saying from a historical perspective. Did, did you realize the numbers that, that you were putting up that your team? Was putting up when you were out there, and when your whole pitching staff was was rolling the way they
4: were. Uh, I think more from a, just a team standpoint. Every every time it just was a matter of looking forward and you know seeing what was next, and you know what we needed to do to get it done and to get into the playoffs. I um, think kind of fell short, uh, you know, kind of last year and then the year before that. So it, for me, it was just looking forward to to get another chance to go out and pitch and watching every guy go out there and, and do what they. Do what they could do, go out and, and dominate the game on the mound, and then you know from an offensive standpoint, being able to put the runs together and, and play really really good defense um, in order to get us to that point. So for me, I tried not to think about you know myself and just was focused on whatever we could do to go out and, and try to win ball games.
0: Well, what did it mean though to get you know the votes to finish where you did in Cy Young? You two of your teammates also all got MVP votes. There's hardware and accolades. For the team what did that mean that kind of recognition for you but for the whole team as well too
4: no I was good, you know for the most part it was good for Wonger man to to get that gold glove you know he I felt he deserved it the year before but what can you do man he, he got what he deserved and and, and that's awesome for him uh, everything else you know those, those will come and go you know placing in awards here and there that that's always going to come and go but um, just being able to move forward and, and take that and going to this year and you know, use it in whatever way that I can.
0: When we come back, hitting coach Jeff Albert with us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
2: Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX.
1: We have a chance to visit with Cardinal hitting coach Jeff Albert in his second year. First of all, I want to go back to last year, rookie year for you. Tell me what you learned about, this business of being a hitting coach because it seems like it's changed a great
5: deal um it's changing it's changing very fast but a lot of the I think principles and fundamentals are still pretty consistent um especially here with our organization and and our group of guys I mean um really just trying to figure out ways to get guys as prepared as possible so they understand you know what to expect in the game who they're facing what's going on with the the opponent pitching staff, make sure they're physically, mentally ready um, as much as possible.
1: And that's something that goes throughout the organization where it's not like you're inheriting guys who learned it a different way in AA or AAA. And I'm sure that with everybody being on the same page, that's got to be helpful where the confidence level for these hitters has got to be going up as well, knowing that it's going to be like that at the next level.
5: Sure. I mean, I think here, you know, uh, one strong point of the organization, it's like that all the way through from not just the major of the team from top to bottom, The, the attention, the detail, the fundamentals trying to do things uh, you know the right way and, and getting the players prepared as much as possible with all the details so they can basically just go out um, and, pl- and play the game to the best of their ability is, is um, important and emphasized all the way around.
1: What is the, if there is such a thing of the philosophy, because you know every hit is different, I mean the stances are different, their approach might be different, but what philosophies do you want to try and maintain If it's if it's nothing more than just simple fundamentals?
5: I mean, if you want to talk about, like, simple, some of the most simple things are understanding the strike zone and, and trying to get the ball into the middle of the strike zone. So now there's a bunch of variety on that based on who you're facing and the action of the pitches and the, the types of pitches they throw. But you know, how are you going to get that into the zone where you have a better chance for success and how do you lay off the ones where, you know, it's going to be out of that zone. So that idea of understanding the basic part of the strike zone and then, you know, what the pitchers are going to try to do to try to get you out and then, you know, where can you look for, for success or damage against that pitcher. And then, um, you know, basic fundamentals of the swing. There's a lot of things you could look for, but what are the things that lead to, you um, you know, not contact and in particular, a quality of contact. So basically like hitting line drives, you know, if you say, Hey, swing at strikes and hit line drives that's you know, you say, Hey, keep it simple. And you say, okay, swing at strikes, hit line drives. And then you're like, no, wait, there's like more to it than that. And so more than ever now, there's more information that's like available, but all of it is then you relating it back to, okay, how do we get the ball in an area that benefits us and then are we doing things with our swing that give us the best chance for, like, quality of contact and production?
1: You know, we see where strikeouts continue to rise in the game. But it's, it's not like guys can't catch up to the heater. Uh, fastballs, guys eventually figure that out. The breaking ball seems to be more proficient these days. What's the approach on that situation? I guess it may have a lot to do with the count as well as far as what you're able to do as far as putting it in play and, and compared to chasing something that's out of the zone.
5: Yeah, it's not just like the proficiency of of the breaking ball. So it's the different types, like the usage. So, you know, pitchers right now are getting much better technically at maybe changing the spin or the shape or the action of their pitch um, and then utilizing them in like certain counts. So, you know, in the playoffs, you might have seen um, a lot more curveballs into like a 2-0 count. So a lot of the traditional ideas of, hey, this 2-0, 3-1, this is a fastball count, um, a lot of times, that that's changing, you know, based on the situation. Who's the hitter? Who's the pitcher? A lot of times, a pitcher will just go to, "Hey, this is my best pitch," or "This is my best chance to get this guy out." So, I think a lot of the thoughts and the, and the way those the the thought process on that I, I feel like is changing a lot throughout the game, um, based on like maybe the opponent you're facing you might see some different ten- tendencies all the way around it might be an organization it might be a pitching coach it might be a catcher it might be individual pitcher um, so that's one of the things that's changing really really fast
1: you know that, that's interesting because I've seen more uh behind the count breaking balls thrown these days than ever before three two change man it's almost like they're throwing a fastball these right. days
5: so I think um recently I, I don't uh man I I want to say there there are teams out there that have thrown more than 50% off speed hmm. and so you might find that with a pitcher so you know in today's game you might go up and face a guy coming out of the bullpen and he's throwing 97 to 99 but it's almost like his fastball is a secondary pitch okay this guy uses the slider 60% of the time even though he throws 99 and so seeing that not just thinking it but like seeing the way the guy actually uses the pitches like You know what I mean? Like, that's one of the things that's changing because you can see with a different pitcher, like, it might not be a – it doesn't matter, like, what's that guy's best pitch. And if if it's a big situation, you're kind of seeing more that guy's just going to go to his best pitch versus fastball or just, you know, whatever it is. It might be, um, hey, this guy just throws – he's got better control of his slider, than his fastball. So the situation where guys need a strike and lick, he's probably gonna throw a slider here instead of a fastball, so.
1: You know, one of the things you just touched on, pitching coach, I, I know in football, teams look at who the offensive coordinator is or the defensive coordinator because they know what system he likes to implement. And I would think that there are certain pitching coaches who like to have certain things. I remember Dave Duncan always liked to keep the ball low in the zone, pitch the contact. He'd always say nobody hit a home run on a ground ball. Do you see that now in, in baseball as well, where you see over the other side? Well, this pitching coach likes to teach it this way. These are some of the things we need to be more conscious of.
5: Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to name names on that, but I, I mean, I think so, and I think it's something that I just pay attention to. Either if I know the personally, or you maybe notice some trends, um, you know, that the, that are going on with a different team or, or something like that. So, or maybe someone says something like this, like in you know, in an interview, or you pick something up here or there. So. Any of those little things um, that, that you hear you know, could give you an idea of maybe what a team is trying to do.
1: So much information is available to players and certainly yourself. How do you try and buffer that where a, a person, a hitter, doesn't become overloaded with so much information he can't react because he's thinking about eight other things instead of maybe three things?
5: Um, I mean, it's this, this conversation right here. So we have all this information of what we think the other guy is trying to do, but that's got to come back to what are we doing? right what are our strengths how are we going to have success like where can we attack you know what can we eliminate what can we avoid where can we basically put our focus so you know if if we're missing on that conversation and we got our focus in a bunch of different places and we're thinking about this pitch and that pitch and all these different things that you guys do and now we're kind of all spread out but the idea or the goal most of the time is to take all that information and turn it into a very specific much more clear focus about hey when I get in the box Um, this is what I'm looking to do uh, right here. So if if we can use the information to help sharpen our focus, then it's helping us, um, and that's what we're trying to do.
1: How many guest hitters do you think we see in the game today? Because I see a lot of guys who look like they get fooled because they're looking or thinking one thing and something else happens where maybe their game plan isn't completely thought out with regard to a plan B if there is such a thing. How many guys do you think are guessing more than actually stepping in the box and, and have a real idea on what they want to do?
5: So I mean, you never know for sure. You could have the best scouting report in the world, mm-hmm. but maybe a pitcher just changes what he's right. doing that day. Like we've seen he that. Maybe sore, he may not have his good stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, so you can never know for sure what 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 the pitchers are going to throw. Um, what I think is less guesswork is you just see more clearly maybe the pitch uses or tendency. Um, over time I, I think so less than the, the guesswork is just um, like I said so use the 2-0 for example mm-hmm. you're so used to growing up of like hey two O here come you know this guy's going to throw a fastball and one thing that's, that's tricky for example is maybe this guy is going to throw you know he is a change up or that's the one that he throws a strike for most so I think sometimes it's hard to kind of change the approach there so maybe in a 2-0, this guy goes soft or he uses his curveball. Because you know, honestly, like sometimes just the outside perception, like, oh I it's 2-0 and and then he actually did throw me that rare that fastball that he's not throwing as much, and then I took a two-o fastball down the middle, and now I'm beating myself up for letting that fastball go. Yeah. Even though, right, like he doesn't really, really do, that you know what I mean? Right, exactly. So if you, if you really look at the percentages and you play them to your advantage, sometimes it's just uncomfortable when the percentage doesn't agree with maybe like something that's more traditional or more common or that you're more used to doing.
1: All right, one of the, the, the things that we were taught, I'm sure you heard the same thing when you were a youngster, late in the game, make them throw a strike. I think relievers are so good today that they can throw strikes anytime they want. And the best strike you might be able to hit, it might be the first pitch you see. He might just throw you a get-me-over fastball. Now, all of a sudden, you're in the hole, and he's now dealing the cards. Now you got to pay attention to the changeup or the curveball or something that you really won't be able to drive as much. Have you seen that approach change as far as, especially late in the game, with respect to pitch hitters facing good pitchers?
5: I mean, I think it's always trying to get a strike, but – Um, yeah you can kind of see a little bit more about when someone needs to strike this is the pitch that he can get in the zone Mm -hmm. or when he's ahead in the count and he's going for strikeouts this is the pitch that he uses so a lot of times you know it might be a breaking ball that looks like a strike and everyone thinks it looks like a strike but it ends up out of the zone so you might see someone that maybe has a great slider and that's his out pitch or whatever you want to call it but he doesn't actually throw it in the zone um, very often so that doesn't it's still a really good pitch, but you have an idea that, hey, listen, when this person is throwing the slider, he's not even trying to throw it for a strike. He's trying to make it look like a strike and end up out of the zone to get for that strikeout um, swing and miss. So uh, if, the, if the guy's doing that, that pitch is probably very good. So it's still challenging and like very difficult, but you go in there more clear with what you're trying to do. So if we do that and our execution gets a little bit better, then that, that helps out.
1: You know, when, when you see that situation, because these guys have that kind of control where their best pitch normally isn't a strike. I always go back to Bruce Sutter, who threw a split, seam, split finger fastball. Seldom was it ever a strike. But it looked so juicy that guys would swing at it. So in that situation, when a guy's really seeing the ball well, he lays off that pitch. If he's not seeing it well, he's not sure, he maybe tries to file it off and maybe get something better on the next time around. How patient do you see guys today who know, OK, I know he's got that pitch. I don't think I can drive it, but I can follow it off and make him come back to me with something I can put in play.
5: Yeah, that, I mean, that gets down to the execution on both sides. I mean, there's that's why they're good. That's why the, some of the back-end relievers are so good. Like, you have a – you know, they won't, it's not like they're going to telegraph or tell you what's coming, but maybe this guy throws, you know, fastball, tons of fastballs, and you have a really good idea that fastballs coming. And if the guy's doing that and still having success, that's probably a really a plus pitch. So, again, it um, – you still have to go out there and execute and you know a pitcher might have really good stuff or whatever it is. But like I said, you know, if it's clear what you're trying to do and where you're looking for the ball and you have a better idea of the, under, the shape or the action of the pitch, then you're a little bit more clear on kind of what you're going up there, what you're doing, what you're looking for, maybe where you think the ball has to start to end up in the zone where you want it.
1: I see a lot of guys spend a lot of time in the cage What's your philosophy on how much cage work a guy should take?
5: I don't see too many guys taking like too many swings. Um, that gets back, I think, to the focus. So what's really nice is the player goes in and he knows what he's doing and how he wants to do it, has a driller too to kind of get that feel of whatever he's looking for or a way to maybe practice the approach or whatever he wants to do in the game. And so you're walking in there with a clear focus, a clear purpose. Boom, boom, boom. You get that done. Now I'm ready to go.
1: Thank you very much for your time, Jeff Albert. All right, thanks.
0: Cardinals single game tickets are on sale now and start at just $5. The upcoming season is filled with great matchups, including two Cubs weekends, a rare weekend series with the New York Yankees, and more. Get yours at cardinals.com. Thanks to Dexter Fowler, Jack Flaherty, and Jeff Albert. We'll wrap up our one when we come back on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.